This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to live as a person of faith in a culture against faith. What's going on, y'all? Let's talk. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, how you doing, man? Good. Yeah? Good? Yeah. Yep. Good, man. Good. Yeah, so um, if you didn't figure it out already, I don't know how you got here without figuring it out. This episode's about purity culture. Um, and we kind of started conversations about it um, in the first episode of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, very, very briefly talked about it last week. Um, and this week we're actually going to get like deeper into why purity culture is a bad thing. Um, was. It's virtually was. gone now. Yeah. Virtually. It's still sticking around like on the heels of the new stuff, but um, but yeah, it is kind of gone. Um, but it, it, it was damaging for a lot of people. It was. I remember not too long ago um, in the fall of 2019, um, being in seminary classrooms and seeing young women, women of faith, women who want to be pastors, want to be ministers of the gospel, um, talk about how damaging purity culture was to them as young women. Yeah. Damaging to their development, um, their growth and their faith. Yep. Um, it's just, I can't even begin to, to say um, how tough it is and how hard it is for, and I'm speaking as a male, so I obviously never felt it, but like from what I've heard from other people, um, it's a hard thing um, and it, it hurts th- these young women. Yeah. Um, and fundamentally what it comes down to is misogyny and sexism. Um, um, I don't know that I would say fundamentally that's what it comes down to. That is how it played out. Okay. Um, because basically what happened was a lot of the time was women, you have to stay pure. And if we make you do all the sacrifices of staying pure because boys will be boys. Right. Then they won't sleep with girls and so everybody will stay pure but the women are the ones that have to do all the sacrificing yeah and so it did play out that way i don't think that that's how it originally was intended to happen so i don't know that foundationally or fundamentally it was rooted in that but that is how it played out i would disagree that there were some implicit biases there that put all of the um, responsibility on the women so, um, so like that what? they could be shamed if, um, and the boys stay out of it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, what, what biases do you think were there? So I think that what it came down to was, um, a way of keeping women down, especially in the church. Um, oh, you think, okay, so just, just them being the weaker sex? Them being the weaker sex, the weaker vessel, yeah. right? Um, and Especially since it was predominant, it was 
prominent, mostly in fundamentalist churches who would hold to that type of yeah uh, belief system. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Um, That's how I've always seen purity culture. And since we started this series, I've been thinking about it a lot from like a social perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty much convinced that that was the basis. Mm. Um, yeah, I need to think about that more. I'm not totally given over to it, but I, I am fully given over to that is how it played out. Yeah, whether they sure. meant for it to be that way or not, whether there was malicious intent in that way. Well, let, let me just say, even if they didn't intend for it to, like, they didn't, like, sit up in their office, like, how do we keep women down? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. It was an implicit bias thing that ended up happening there, right? Um, just like the, the the wage gap, right? Yeah. It's not somebody that some not something that somebody sat and wrote in policy intentionally. Yeah, it's just something that happened out of implicit bias, right? Yeah, maybe um, it, it definitely played out this way. For I mean, sure, that's undeniable. And I also want to give the disclaimer: like we understand that we're too. White young guys. men that are white males, um, cisgendered white male. Like we get that purity culture didn't impact us. We're only speaking out of our love for women. Our yeah. want to affirm women. Um, I consider myself a feminist. Like uh, I'm very vocal about that. I love feminist theology. Like, and I love listening to the stories of women and being the voice for them when they don't have a space to have a voice there that that's 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 the thing that's why we're doing this right it's the advocacy piece yep um telling the stories of the women that don't really have a way to tell their stories right um to inform all of you to then go and tell these stories right correctly yeah. So let let's start with purity culture at its heart. What what was the intent? The intent was to keep young people from having sex. And more specifically, I think the fear was remember purity culture arose right after the church got really involved in the prohibitionist movement. Yeah. Um and so abstinence became a hallmark of the 20th century church. Yeah. And so purity culture came out of it as well, basically an attempt to say, Hey, if we take sex, drugs and alcohol and rock and roll away, we'll make a bunch of really good Christians. Um, and so a bunch of boring Christians, (laughs) you will make a bunch of boring Christians. Um, and if we can take those away, we'll make these great Christians. And so we're going to do that. We're just going to preach prohibition and abstinence in, in all things. Yeah. And so that's when the church really began to shift into prohibitionist with alcoholism. Tr- the church was always against drugs, but in the 20th century, that's really when ju- drugs and the war on drugs really began to kind of vamp up and yeah. they kind of hit main stage. Then we hit it in sex. And that's probably because in the 20th century, as you know, as people were, you know, going into the clubs and those kinds of things, they saw it and they were like, "Okay, no." But I think 
all of that, the other thing that they were trying to fight against was the fear of hedonism. Mm, mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of people, even back in the day, that had sex out of marriage, but in committed relationships yeah. where they weren't being hedonist, they weren't sleeping around, those kinds of things. And And then as purity culture progressed... I think the other thing that they were really trying to fight, and this I think is an implicit bias that was present, is it was the older people, the parents, the grandparents, pushing purity culture onto the young women. Yeah. And I think it was the young women for a specific reason, because they're the ones that get pregnant. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I think they were pushing it onto young women because they themselves didn't want to bear the shame of having a daughter that had a teen pregnancy. Yeah, that no, that's good. Um, I would like to take a second though and and chase a rabbit if that's okay. Sure. So something I've always heard, and I just I want to hear your thoughts on it. Okay. If a girl gets pregnant mm-hmm. and the dad kicks her out, mm-hmm. he's a bad dad. Yep. But if a guy gets a girl pregnant and he kicks the son out, he's, he's a, good a good dad. dad. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, so that is definitely how culture would portray it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what 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 is your question? I'm asking for your thoughts. Like, yeah. So I use that all the time. Um, that analogy, because. A lot of people use that and say, hey, you know, because of this, I can have different rules for my daughter than I can for my son. Right. Um, I don't want to be that hard-lined about it, but at the same point, they're right. Sort of. I mean, if... Yeah, if culture is going to look at it two different ways, and this goes back to... My feminism's coming out here. Um, it's wrong that that's the narrative. Oh, yeah. Um, now, the truth no is, it's also wrong that the narrative is that the dad would automatically kick the son out. Right. The son still needs help and support, too. Right. And so, I, I, think, I think the analogy is flawed at a number of different levels. And I think that it's a problem within our culture that that's the accepted narrative. Right. That you're a good dad if you kick your son out and tell him to go get a job. Right. Um, and you're a good dad if you keep your daughter in the house and help her raise the baby. Like, yeah. uh, I think I think it's flawed. I think it's sexist. I think it's all, all the things that I reject. Yeah. I was just, it, it seemed kind of kind of mainline, right? Yep. For, for this topic, because if... If there were shame connected to your teenage daughter mm-hmm. having a baby, mm-hmm. you had to carry that. Right. Because you would be a bad dad if you shunned her. Right. Um, or a bad parent set. Yeah. Right. Um, so, but then on the other side, there's that personal responsibility crusade um, put on the son. Yeah. Um which I just, I've always found very um, interesting, socially speaking. 
Yeah, well, I think there are a lot of things at play there that that do happen because obviously nobody's going to hire a young pregnant woman right? Uh, because they know she's pregnant, going to have to take time off to have a baby, recover, all those things. Yeah. So she, and naturally she's a woman, so she she's already less employable than right. a young man. Uh, and then add the medical things that happen on top of it. She's just equally less employable or exponentially less employable versus a young man. You know, he's much more employable. Yeah. And so I do, I think there are things at play there for right. Stereotypes happen for a reason, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they're right. Right. No, that's true. Um, so all, all of that to say as a lead up to purity culture, what purity culture ended up doing, and it was rooted, I think in a potentially good place. It purity culture whether it wanted to explicitly state it or not, it acknowledged what we said in the first two episodes, that we are made as sexual creatures. Mm -hmm. Like, it acknowledged that. And it wanted... I think it, it had a good intention to say, hey, we don't want our young people sleeping around. We don't want our young people having negative sexual experiences. They wanted to preserve the sanctity of sex. Correct. And so they said, okay, here's how we're going to do it. And they made the purity culture movement. The only problem with that was, number one, boys were largely left out of it. Largely, yeah. I do not remember, and I've thought long and hard about this. I do not remember... Well, I remember one... I only remember one male that ever wore a purity ring and they no longer wear it. Who are you talking about there? Well, because I wore one for a really long time. Yeah, but you don't wear it anymore. Uh, I do some. Um, I'm not wearing it right now. But right. Yeah. No, I did for a long time. Um, but outside of you, I don't know any male that's ever worn one. Hmm. I can't think of anybody else either. I didn't wear one. Yeah. I like I the church we grew up in, they did purity ceremonies like I don't remember a dude ever doing it. Yeah. Um actually um if you go and look at some some other episodes, I left the house this morning in kind of a rush. Um and I didn't grab my rings, but typically I do wear them. Hmm. So even still the point remains that we knew a lot of young men growing yeah, up it's very that were rare. in the church and you were the only one that did it. And you went to a lot of different churches and met a lot of people that I didn't meet. Yeah. And um, no, you can't think of anybody that did it. Not off the top of my head, no. So that... that Ooh, no, sorry. There was one other guy that I remember. One other Cool. Guy. Out of 300 yeah. that we probably know between us? Yeah. yeah. I think that... That's that confirms my point that men were largely left out of it. Largely left young out of it. men were largely left out of it. And I, I think I told this story on the the first episode um when we briefly talked about purity culture, but I remember growing up in youth group and if you were a woman, mm-hmm. you couldn't wear a two piece bathing suit unless you covered it with a, a t shirt that and it couldn't be white. Mm-hmm. Why? 
Well, because then it's see-through. Well, no, no, not the shirt <laughs> thing. But but why couldn't women wear two-piece bathing suits? Well, because it would... It might tempt the men. Yeah. Or it's the boys, like, let's say. Yeah, the boys. boys. Sorry, not the men. But but the other boys around. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, women, you had to sacrifice. But the boys could take their shirts off. Yeah. How is that okay? Yeah. it. I mean, just the whole thing... As I think back on it, and when you're young and in the middle of it, you don't, you just don't realize like how all these things are playing out and what they're actually communicating. Well, and I think something else that um, that purity culture did, and we we kind of briefly just talked about it, but I think it needs to be explicitly stated: women's sexuality was forgotten, or not necessarily forgotten, but like um, kind of downplayed. Because, let, let's just be honest here, women have sexual feelings too. Yeah, um, for sure. And so, if you put all of the responsibility on them, you're kind of setting them up to fail. Well. In lots of cases. Yeah, well, what, what ends up happening is you're, you're, you're not necessarily setting them up to fail, it, that it could happen that way that you are and in rare cases it, it is setting individuals up to fail. What you're setting them up for is to experience shame. Well, that too. Yeah, for you're, sure. You're setting that them too. up for them to live in their shame because what you've communicated to them is that when you give them purity rings that you wear in place of a wedding ring one day, we, when, when I first meet someone, they're, when I introduce myself to them, there are two things that I look for immediately, right off the bat. There are two things you can know about a person just from looking at them. Do you know what they are? Well, I know what I do. I'm wondering if they're similar, though. So the first thing I do is look for a wedding ring. Yeah. That doesn't always tell me that they're married or not. Right. But if they wear a wedding ring, most of the time it tells me they're married. Yeah. Um. And then there are sometimes, obviously, married people don't wear rings anymore. Right. But by and large, it works majority of the time. Yeah. And then the other thing that I look for is if they're wearing a watch. Why the watch? Because the watch will always tell me what hand they are dominant. Because you always wear the watch on your off hand majority of the time. Mm. Okay. So those are two things that I look for. In oh, this, I see where you're going with this. In the same way, that's because those two things are deeply tied to our identity. Yeah. Your dominant hand means you do most activities with your dominant hand and your marriage is a piece of your identity. Mm -hmm. So when you give them give a woman a purity ring, you are tying her identity to her purity. Well, and also not only that, um, the way that you just said that that's like the first thing that you look for is a ring on that finger. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a warning sign too. For young boys. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like kind of a a war, (laughs) right? Yeah. um, Which, in another way, is... It's like the opposite of a scarlet letter. Yeah, like... Yeah. uh, Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's just... It's really difficult. And until you've heard the pain of some of these young women tell their stories of growing up in purity culture, hearing about it, doing the purity ceremonies, all these things. And then 
the real pain happens. They wrestle with pain. They wrestle with self-worth mm-hmm. in the middle of it because they're constantly being told a narrative. Hey, don't have sex. Yep. Don't slip. Don't do it. Don't give those boys a foothold, yep. right? Those boys are going to come. Don't, don't, don't listen to those young boys. Don't listen to their smooth talking. Don't succumb to their smolders, right? Mm-hmm. When you're constantly being told this narrative, and on the flip side... The other part, the the part where this happened for boys is the narrative around fundamentalists and young boys' small groups was always about sex. Lots of times. It's like, this is just where you fail. Let's talk about it. All these things. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. Also, it did surround itself with sex, but I remember hearing more about porn than actual sexual activity. Yeah, and here's the deal. Um, no matter how you talk about it, it's on your mind. Yeah. Like, shut up about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all got it, and we need to understand that it's wrong, and we need to find other ways to fight some of those temptations, specifically porn. And I want to have an episode on here about pornography and the effects that it has on our realistic expectation for sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. But when you constantly talk about it, you constantly keep it on the young boy's mind. Yeah. And then they go to this girl that they're dating that's that's involved in this purity culture movement. And so these things are coming to a clash. And when that young girl fails. And she's got to take that ring off because that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or fails that way, but, but not even necessarily falls all the way at intercourse. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. But just other sexual acts. That's true. The shame is insurmountable. It is so heavy on them. And when you hear their stories yeah. about the way that they were, I'm just going to say it, slut-shamed. Yeah, no, for sure. When, when they, that's not what was happening at all. They, they weren't hedonists. They weren't sluts. They weren't running around trying to sleep with everyone or anyone. They had deep feelings for someone that they wanted to express in a way that's natural to their desire. Yeah. And they fell. Yeah. They 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 gave in to those desires. Yep. Even though those desires are God given. Right. There's just parameters through which we're supposed to enact those desires. They acted them from a place of love outside of those. And we thought the answer was to shame them. Yeah. And then yeah. take that ring off. Like Oh my God, are you divorcing me? Because the other thing was like, you're married to Jesus until you're married to somebody else. Yeah. So when you fail, you take off this symbol of your marriage, quote unquote, marriage to Jesus. Yeah. Come on, guys. We should have thought through this better. It's damaging to young women. Oh my gosh. It's horribly damaging. Um, but then like you end up having this whole, um, not only is it like shame, Right. But then you also have to deal with this this idea of um, can I now be from, forgiven from this mm. because I was, quote, married to Jesus? Yeah. And um, now I'm divorced from Jesus. I got to take my ring off. Is there a place of grace after that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, like, are you freaking kidding me? This is what we this is what we did to our young women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And we're going to end the episode right here because because next episode, I want to talk about what what have been, in in COVID terms, long COVID, what have been the long-term effects of purity culture on young women? 